Welcome to the Dairy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Daring. With me is fellow NBA fanatic and fellow Dairy Sports member, James Trefi. James, how are you today, man? Oh, going really well. It's very, very cold outside up here in Wisconsin, but uh, we're all we're all making it through. We're on the latter half. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's been a cold one the past few weeks. So, yeah, we're definitely making the best of that and trying to get through that. Um, so today we're going to be talking about, I got a few segments, so we're going to start with the bucks and then we're going to end on some draft content, um, with myself. Um, so let's start off with the bucks. So the bucks just lost to the Phoenix suns last night by one. Um, I believe Bobby Portis had 12 points off the bench. Bryn Forbes started. Um, I remember my friend sent me a message last night. was kind of surprised to see him starting. So Bryn Forbes started and there's been a lot of free agents. The bucks have signed that are really, really, really stood out. And Bryn Forbes is one of those guys. Bobby Portis is one of those guys. But I want to start with you, James. What is your – what do you make of the Bucks season thus far? Well, Sam, what I, what I definitely would like to say, um, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews from fans in the area. But my opinion so far is that I'm a lot more confident in this team than I am last year's team. And – the reason I say that is because you look up and down. A lot of guys are doing things that they weren't doing last year. Middleton's above 50% from the floor, and he's averaging 26 and 6 and playing some much improved defense. So that's a very good sign. Um, DiVincenzo looks like he was motivated from almost getting traded because he stepped into a borderline starting role, and he's filled that void pretty well, I would say. Drew Holiday, a great addition, great on both ends of the floor. He's something the Bucks needed because he can lock down any point guard or most shooting guard in the NBA. So that's really what I'm making of it. Uh, when it comes to playoffs, uh, they have some tough teams, but this is definitely a Bucks team I'm looking at as a huge contender to come out of the Eastern Conference. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think Christian and I had this conversation as well. Um, I definitely think I'm more confident. I think the bench has gotten stronger in the past two years, because if you look at the bench from, I think it was two years ago, um, not a ton of guys, not a ton of guys at all. I mean, it wasn't overly deep. Last year was much better. This year, I mean, we, yes, the Bucks unfortunately lost out on the Bogdan, um, the Bogdan sign and trade, but um but Drew Holiday has really, really shown out. Drew Holiday has really shown out to be the second guy, the second option. Um, because I know a lot of, you know, not necessarily just Bucks fans, um, but NBA fans in general, a lot of people have been asking for a while now if Chris Middleton can be that second option guy. Um, and I think the role that they have Chris Middleton in currently, um, I think is absolutely perfect. For sure. Middleton I'm looking at his numbers, and I said the same thing last year. He made a huge jump last year, and I think he's making another leap up this season. It might not be as reflective in the numbers, but people need to understand, when you're playing on a team in championship contention that has a Giannis Antetokounmpo on it, it's going to be very hard to average, you know, the north of 25, almost 30 points a game. I mean, it took – it took Kobe Bryant reaching prime Kobe Bryant to 
consistently averaged 25 plus points when he was playing with Shaq. So I look at Middleton and he's doing all of the right things. He's doing more of the little things that he wasn't doing as much early in his career when he was just a glorified shooter. But you, and this might be attributed to the Drew Holiday signing. He's maybe instilled more of a defensive mentality in this Bucks team. This Bucks team is getting out in transition in ways that I haven't seen in a while. And that's something that Giannis needs. Giannis needs to play that up and down style of basketball. He needs to keep applying that pressure and doing the things that he does best. And this team is much more equipped to do that with Bobby Portis coming off the bench as opposed to Robin Lopez. Um, guy like Bryn Forbes as opposed to Ilyasova, guy that would slow the offense down, have now turned into guys that are aiding the Bucks in playing that fast-paced offense. Yeah, and I fully agree. And I, I want to talk about Bobby Forbes as, or no, I'm sorry, not Forbes, Bobby Portis for a while. Dude's averaging seven and a half rebounds a game, um, and eleven point one points per game this season. I, I would arguably say that he has been, um, the best free agent signing the Bucks have made because, like I said, I think the Bucks, I think the Bucks bench, immediately just got stronger. Um, and. I, I think Bobby Portis is off the bench, and I think we've we've seen him start every now and then throughout the season, the short season that we've had so far. But um, Bobby Portis has really, really turned it on. Absolutely, and and this it's kind of it's kind of because I was going to bring him up if you didn't bring him up. Bobby Portis is a guy that I was screaming at the top of my lungs for the Bucks to go get last year. Not him. I don't even know where Bobby Portis was. Where was he last year? Was he in Washington last year? He was a Nick last year. He was a, yes, that's right. That's right. See that, and that, and that's a perfect example of some of my criticism of the Bucks front office because, to me, that's the type of guy the Bucks have needed. When you look at the series against the Raptors in the playoffs, when you look at the series against Miami, look at all the ways that Bobby Portis could have helped that out. He would have taken so much away from them being able to zone in on Giannis in front court that the Bucks might have been able to gain an edge in some of those series and not as much had to be shouldered on Giannis. So he's been amazing in the stat sheet. He's been amazing on both of the floor. He's provided energy and he's another guy that is providing a huge spark for this Bucks team that they didn't have the last two runs in the playoffs. Oh, I fully agree. And it's nice to see guys outside of, you know, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday really make a name for themselves. And like I said, Bryn Forbes started last night. And yeah, the Bucks lost by one, um, but Bryn Forbes finished with 17 points on the floor. Yeah, he he's a guy, and, and I watched him some last season in San Antonio. Uh, and he's uh, He is a guy that can make shots. He can make buckets and bursts, a very good spark plug. I would worry about him being undersized, and I would definitely be cautious about playing him a ton in a series like, in, let's say let's say in a series like the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he's a guy that's going to struggle in that kind of series because Philadelphia has a deeper bench. They have more ways they can throw at you, and they have more ways they can expose Bryn Forbes' weaknesses. However, in a series against the Nets, Forbes could be a great player to play because when you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant rising up the score, you're going to need as much offensive firepower as you can. So if Bucks can look at the guys that they have and analyze them in such a way to the matchups, 
this I don't I see I just don't think that there is a team in the East more complete and more equipped to make a swift finals run than the Bucks. It's just a matter of them being able to apply themselves and do it. It's interesting too, is because the Lakers didn't really have a strong bench last year. And a lot of people wrote them off because of that. And a lot of people were talking about the Clippers winning the finals. And I mean, honestly, they shouldn't have re-signed Paul George. They, I honestly thought they should have blown that team up and started over with maybe building around a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Um, But I think they made a huge mistake re-signing and extending Paul George. But um, you went over to Dante DiVincenzo earlier. um, And I I like that you, because I mean, yeah, he did have a little bit of a rough January averaged, averaged 7.8 a game, um, had two 11 point games. So or three 11 point games, excuse me. Um, So he's kind of been on and off the past month or so, but um, I I mean, I, I really think the, that hit that that trade went through with him. I think believe it was him going to the Pelicans. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think it was. Wasn't he going to the Kings, right? Or yes, you're about? right. You're right. Yeah, because yeah. right. he was in the Bogdan trade. He was in the Bogdan trade, correct? Yeah. Um, I, I I definitely feel like that put some chip on put some sort of chip on his shoulder, gave him some sort of motivation because, um, the first month of the season, I would even say, was just he was absolutely unstoppable like he well, he was unstoppable like he he was unbelievable and now he's kind of having an on, an on and off month um of he had an on and off month in january um starting to slowly come back at 16 points a game um a while ago i don't i don't recall which game that was from but um but even that like you're seeing dante divincenzo on and off but you're seeing Bryn forbes come off bobby porters you're seeing all these free agents of the bucks signed throughout the off season. Um, to kind of fill the void that they lost out on the Bogdan on the Bogdan sign and trade, um, so it's really nice to see guys outside of Middleton and Drew Holiday really make a name for themselves. Sure, uh, Divincenzo, he's a guy that I was extremely high on coming out of coming into his draft. Uh, watching him win that championship with Villanova, hitting that driving force in that championship game the way he was, I looked at that and I said, "That's a guy that I want playing for my team." And he had a bit of a slower start to the NBA than I thought he would have. The Bucks had a lot of rotating pieces at that 2-3 at that time that he came in. So he kind of struggled to find niche right away, and he was almost – which I thought was a mistake by the Bucks. I think Bogdan was a little bit overhyped in this free agency. Uh, but I'm looking at DiVincenzo, the way he's playing in the times that I've watched the Bucks play. He's doing more things – the hustle player needs to do. I think that that trade made him realize, okay, I need to do more things. I'm no longer the guy that they're just going to want to come in and shoot. I'm attri- I'm going to attribute, it's kind of the same thing that's going on right now with Kyle Kuzma. You're seeing Kyle Kuzma first couple of years in the league. He was a guy that would just come off the bench and just shoot, 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 just come in and have the greenest of green lights. But see, now when you got LeBron and Anthony Davis on your team, you can't have that green of a light. So he's forced to do a lot more of the little things, play defense, rebound, jump passes, make accurate reads, do all that kind of stuff. And I'm seeing DiVincenzo do many of those same things, which is encouraging because those are the kind of players that will make the big time plays late in playoff games. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And Dante DiVincenzo has really, really developed into a stud. And there was another guy we don't have to go too in depth on is um, 
Pat Connaughton, I honestly thought he was going to be, I honestly thought that the Bucs would let him walk um, and go let have him go and sign a decent contract, um, but they did end up extending him. But um, I want to end on here with some of the trade deadline targets. I have a feeling the Bucs aren't going to be too active um, in the trade deadline. Um, we're seeing a lot of rumors of, you know, several big name players, Bradley Beal. And then I think Bradley Beal came out and made it adamant that he wanted to stay in Washington um we're seeing a lot i mean so if there's any any few guys um james that you could kind of look at maybe one or two that you think that could potentially help the bucks make a championship run who is it well i'm gonna do i'm gonna say something that i don't think that anybody listening to this including you is gonna be able to guess um i don't see you said bradley beal and there's a lot of those guys you know beal kemble walker is Re, is, um, trade rumors are servicing. I just don't think the Bucks have the type of pieces right. nor draft exactly. picks to be able to see. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to trade Middleton? I know. No, I think at that point, like it's going to be yeah. Middleton because I think Bradley Bill is going to be a high as a high asking price. Yeah, and and I just see. I think the what the Bucks have right now is too good, and I don't think that the trade for. Uh, maybe another all-star is there. And I don't think it's worth giving up a Middleton holiday Giannis. What I would do, and and this is what, and, and I do think the Bucks need to fix a glaring issue. They need to get Brooke Lopez up out of here. I'm just going to say, they need, Brooke Lopez needs to go. And what, if I'm the Bucks right now, I'm calling up the Atlanta Hawks. And I'm saying to them, if you have any interest in Brooke Lopez, we want Tony Snell back. If you interest in Tony, if you don't want interest in Brooke Lopez, we're still gonna offer what we can to get Tony Snell back because the Bucks need defense off the bench. Um, Tony Snell was the guy they never should have let go. He's a guy that does all the little things, like I was talking about. He's a very streaky offensive player, but the Bucks don't need a guy to come in and make shots. They don't need Brooke Lopez to stand in the corner and just wait for his however many three point shots he takes a game. And it's, it's not like he's shooting a great percentage either. And the only shots that Brooke Lopez blocks are ones where he's standing straight up and just holding his hands in the air. He doesn't do anything special. He doesn't do anything that advances the Bucks' chances. I look at a guy like Tony Snell and maybe getting some other scrappy players off that Atlanta bench. Because you look down this Atlanta roster, they got a, a lot of guys they don't play. So I'm going to look at that and say, if you can get a Tony Snell back, that would be huge. That would be huge off the bench. It will aid Bobby Portis. It'll aid Bryn Forbes. It'll aid Pat Connaughton. And if the Bucks can sort of get that back with Drew Holiday, with Chris Middleton, with DiVincenzo, that's going to be abs- – that, that, that's a championship team right there. See, my thing with that too, and like I fully agree, and that would be unbelievable. Um, my thing with that too is if you trade Brooke Lopez – like who who's going to fill that void to start who's going to fill that void for Brooke Lopez are they going to get are they going to get a scrappy piece are they going to get a guy um are they going to get a guy back like that you that ends up filling that void are they going to end up using a guy off the bench so I fully agree I think Brooke Lopez should be one of the guys that definitely should be on the radar um mine is heading over to the Houston Rockets um, and this is a guy that I think we should have you know, gone after last offseason. He was just snubbed of the NBA all defense. Um, and that's PJ Tucker. 
Hmm, yeah. Um, PJ Tucker, six like five, that one. big man, six five, two forty five. Um, he's versatile on the floor, and I think this would really, really, really impact us. And I, I, th- I think the Bucks. I mean, guys, you could trade. Um, probably some guys like Jordan Nuora or um, even look at Pat Connaughton. Um, I think a lot of guys are going to be looking at. I, I mean, I think that I think it's come to a point too where the Bucks are going to still listen to offers for Dante Divincenzo because if they can get PJ Tucker out of any deal like that, uh, PJ Tucker, I love his versatility. Um, I think he would be an immense, immense upgrade um, from the guys that we have right now. But uh, I think I think PJ Tucker would be a really, really nice, um, really, really nice get for the Bucks, and I think it's realistic, right? And I, it's not like it's not like Bradley Beal. I don't imagine PJ Tucker's asking price. I can't imagine his asking price being excessively high like a Bradley Beal, because if we trade for Bradley Beal, my guess is Chris Middleton is most likely gone. Well, yeah, that, I mean, I mean, at that point you've up, you've, you, you holiday was an upgrade from Bledsoe. And at that point you're looking for an upgrade from Middleton. If you're going to go get Bradley Beal. Right. And I'm to the point, it's to the point too, where like, is Bradley Beal really worth getting? Like you're going to risk, you're going to risk getting your bench weaker. You're probably going to have to move a guy like Bobby Portis, who's going, who's playing very well right now. Um, if you get Bradley Beal, even Devin Chenzel's probably going to be in the deal. You're going to have to give up an ample amount of players that have, that have played very well for their roles this season. And PJ Tucker isn't doing great right now. Um, he's 35, but he's four, he's averaging four, eight. Um, he's four, he's four and a half rebounds a game, one and a half assists, but a little bit of a struggle for him on their, on their end. Um, the Rockets are in a rebuild. So I, I would imagine, I wouldn't be shocked at all if PJ Tucker is potentially one of those guys on the move for Houston. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of now is you, you say PJ Tucker. Now I'm trying to think of other guys on Houston who you, you could potentially pair and get, along with P.J. Tucker, because if the Bucks can make the right kind of free agent, because look at what the Raptors did at the at the trade deadline when when they won their championship. They went out and got Marcus Hall, and look how that attributed them winning a championship. Bucks need to look for guys, and like P.J. Tucker, he he's a guy who's going to come in and he's going to do what is asked of him. He's going to come and he's going to guard whoever the Bucks ask him to guard. He's going to stand in that corner where he loves to shoot that three. Every time he launches that corner three, you know what's going in. Those are two huge areas that the Bucks can use to their advantage. The corner three, when Giannis is driving, a driving kick out to P.J. Tucker, that is huge. And him being able to match up with – well, he could match up with – you know, I mean, I'm not maybe not well with Kevin Durant, but he could sure do something better than a lot of the guys the Bucks have right now on Kevin Durant. And then you look over to Tobias Harris and Philly, Ben Simmons, these teams, you're going to need guys like that. So that's a, I, Hey, I like that more than, more than, more than my pick. Actually, if you can somehow get PJ Tucker out of Houston, I know they love him there, but you can get the right pieces together to make it happen. Go for it. Right. And if you stay in the Houston Rockets, I don't think this is happening. He's averaging 22 a game, but if you look at the Rockets, they now have Christian Wood who has playing yeah, they ain't very, him up. very they well. And a lot of people were up. so upset when the Bucks got rid of him. But, okay, look at the roster that the Bucks had. The Bucks were so – like, the Bucks had so much depth at his position. There was no – like, the, he barely had any opportunities. He was good when he was given the opportunities. 
but he had much more talented guys above him. So it made, it made sense. Like, yeah, it sucked to move on, but like me personally, I wasn't upset as other Bucks fans were like, he went on. The Pistons, Pistons fans were more mad about him than the Bucks. What's that? You know, Pistons fans should be more mad about that than the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because look, look, look if the Pistons still had, uh, still had him, you, you know, you look at what Jeremy Grant's doing now. I mean, what are, what are the Pistons doing? I mean, you they just get it's they, like they just they get need players. To blow it up. They they yeah, need to they blow just, it up. And but they I, I they've think been, Blake Griffin should be a guy up. on the move. They, they, they blow, blow up everything. It's it's like they they get they get solid players and they just trade them all over the place for chump change. Exactly. I mean, they had a decent draft too. Um, but I mean, they they <laughs> Isaiah Stewart. That guy's coming on, but he'll be. He'll be traded in five years once he's averaging twenty <laughs> points and twenty rebounds. He'll be traded for uh, he'll be traded for another Thon maker. They did end up trading up for Shadik Bay out of Villanova. I, I want to say it was with the Nets. They ended up trading up for. Um, they still have Josh Jackson. Uh, they did draft Killian Hayes too. I remember. The, I mean, I from what I was hearing too before the draft, that was a guy that they were insanely, they were very very high on, um, and he ended up being a lottery pick. So. Um, they need to blow. They need to blow this team up. I think Killian Hayes, potentially in a few years, might turn into their one of their guys, uh, one of their premier guys. Dennis Smith Jr. is backing up Dylan Wright. I mean, there, there's really no guys on that team right now that that really scare you at all. There so, haven't I been. Mean, there have outside of Andre Drum. I mean, Blake Griffin. See, Blake Griffin's just done at this point. I mean, we can just call it. It's a career for him at this point. <laughs> so you know. I guess the, the Bucks are gonna rule the rule the Midwest for a little while longer. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I, I like the fact that you brought up the Hawks too, because the Hawks have a lot of depth. They have a lot of talented and promising players. But like you just said, they don't use a they don't use a lot. So I'd be very they don't use a ton of them. And I'd be very interested to see how many calls they get about certain players. Um so yeah, I'm definitely interested to see that. Uh, I believe the deadline is March 25th, um, so a little, little over a month now. So, um, James. Yeah, I mean, and if you can get Brooke, if you could, like, like I said with the Brooke Lopez, you know, you could get Brooke Lopez, and, and Tony Snell could come with. Like, look, look at Cam Reddish. I, I don't know how much they're using, you know, him really at all. Yeah. If you could, if you could swindle, if, if they, if they've decided that Cam Reddish isn't a guy that they need moving forward. <laughs> Maybe you could steal Cam Reddish out of Atlanta, and all you have to give up is Brooke Lopez. Think about it, because th- they'll use Brooke Lopez off the bench. You got Clint Capello there, John Collins. You get Brooke Lopez. That 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 might not be a bad fit in Atlanta when you think about it. So, if the Bucks could somehow maybe say, oh, "Give us Tony Snellback, he fits," and you want to throw in Cam Reddish, a draft pick, or how? What about we like Kevin Herter? Or, oh, you don't really use Danilo Gallinari to his full potential. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Gallinari that that was I definitely think that was one of the I feel like that was one of the top free agent targets for a lot of Bucks fans and they lost out on that so um that that would be that would be amazing that would be awesome to go and grab Gallinari there's a lot of intriguing players a lot of realistic players because at this point let's take Bradley Beal off the list I mean I I also wouldn't be too surprised if Bradley Beal stays a wizard um and because I think they I don't remember if they maxed him or they were planning to offer him, um, but I wouldn't be too surprised at all. And now there's teams calling for Russell Westbrook. So Washington is in an interesting um, 
interesting predicament now. So they got rid of John. I didn't really understand that. Oh, here's I did. Th- I, I just I did think something. I did think I don't know. I don't know if it's still on the table because I think the Knicks are trending in the right direction. But what <laughs> if they still were willing to trade Julius Randle? What if? Picture that Julius Randle. It's interesting because you're not the first person I've heard tell me that. Um, I mean, look at him. He's been on an absolute Julius tear. Randall. He's averaging 23, 10, and 5. Right. And, and the Knicks are in playoff contention. Right. And like I said, like the, <laughs> I remember the first, first few games of the season, one of my buddies texted me and said, the Knicks should trade Julius Randle. Um, and now while they he's shooting, <laughs> I would love to have him. Exactly. And like now while he's going off, why not, why not listen to offers while his value is at a decent price or decent price, decently high. Um, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's worth it. Or I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's worth listening to, but it'll definitely be interesting. There's tons of realistic players that I think could really, really help the bucks. Um, we named a ton. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't more than one Tony Snell, PJ Tucker, Cam Reddish, Julius Randall. I mean, there's a ton, there's a ton. It'll, it'll be very interesting. We got a little bit over a month, but James, that's all I have for you. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, and it was, it's always fun to, it's always fun to do these things and talk sports with you. Definitely, man. And it's, it's always great to have you guys on. Always love having the fellow dairy sports. Um, you know, I know you and Chase do, a lot of hard work over there on the fantasy football side of things. So um, that's, uh, that's coming up real quick. Um, I'll let you kind of preview that if you want to, um, you know, what your plans are. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to be starting up. Look, hopefully uh, uh, around when the draft, when the draft happens and when we get into our rookie drafts, we're really looking forward to having some conversations about dynasty guys to keep guys to sell what rookies to target. And this upcoming football season is going to be a fun one. There's a lot of players coming in with something to prove. So this is going to be a fun, fun fantasy football season ahead of us. Definitely. And we talked about, um, I know you guys did a lot of redraft, so it'll be fun. There's a lot of, a lot of dynasty fanatics out there. So I'm, I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited for you guys to get that back up and running. So James, thanks for joining me and everyone. Uh, next up, I'll be talking about the, NFL draft um, starting off with the running back. So James, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you. You ever thought about making a podcast? Well, anchor is the right place for you. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. All you have to do is upload your podcast and it downloads it on all social media platforms. You don't even have to do any of it at all. As soon as you upload your podcast, it downloads it on, it automatically distributes it on all social media platforms. So this this podcast is sponsored by Anchor. And without further ado, let's get into the NFL draft stuff. All right, now we're done with the Bucks content. Let's dive deeper into the NFL draft for the Green Bay Packers. Super Bowl's done, Buccaneers won. Um, obviously, I picked the Chiefs. Um, but never bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> so, um, but again, Super Bowl's over. Let's dive deeper into the NFL draft. We are one step closer to draft day, which is April 29th um, to May 1st. Um, so 
let's dive deeper into this. So last year I went position by position, you know, kind of gave three to five players that I like. Um, I want to start with the most, I want to start with a very interesting position. Um, not corner, not D line, which is arguably in my opinion, the most intriguing, the most glaring needs on this team. Um, I want to start with the running back position. Um, the running back room was filled filled with a lot of uncertainty. Um, so last year, I mean, Dexter Williams is fighting for a spot on the roster. We re-signed Tyler Irvin last season, so I believe Tyler Irvin is um, on a con or up for a new deal. Um, if the Packers decide to bring him back, they drafted AJ Dillon. I was one of very few people that loved the pick. Um, a lot of Packer fans were upset about the pick. Um, I mean, it made sense. I can understand getting upset about it um, where we took them, but it made sense. We have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams up for new deals. Um, so, and Aaron Jones to me looks like he's on his way out. That's my guess. He fired his agent. The Packers offered him top five running back money and he turned it down. Jamal Williams also fired his agent, the same one that Aaron Jones, that was representing Aaron Jones. Aaron Jamal Williams made it adamant and that, that his goal was to re-sign with the Packers. I personally would love to have Jamal Williams back. I'm hoping that happens. Um, but I, I, I hope Corey Lindsley is at the top of our priority list right in front of Jamal Williams. So let's dive deeper into this. Um, I'm going to name about three to five prospects um, to start for the running backs. The first one is a guy that I'm, I'm very, very high on and had a little bit of an up and down season, shocked the college football world by going back to college. Um, and that's Clemson running back Travis Etienne. And Najee Harris might have played like the best running back in football, um, but Travis Etienne is still my RB1. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm pick, I'm going through some of these some of these guys assuming both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are gone because let's say Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are gone. The 29th overall pick or perhaps the second round, if they believe some of these guys that I'm naming um, are going to be in the second or will be available. I guess Travis Etienne specifically will be there in the second round. Um, but <clears throat> we've seen what Goot does. Um, Goot picks guys like Goot picked Darnell Savage, traded up for Darnell Savage in the 2019 draft. Um, he traded up for him because he didn't think he'd be there by the pick. Um, and I think that I believe that was the same issue, same deal with with AJ Dillon um, in the second round in the 2020 draft. So I absolutely love Travis Etienne. Um, over his past, I believe, two seasons, or actually his four seasons as a Tiger, racked up over 3,200 yards and 43 touchdowns. Um, past two seasons, excuse me. Um, this dude plays with a lot of power, power and intensity. Doesn't necessarily have the size that um, I wouldn't say he's severely undersized, but like he's not a Najee Harris size. Um, and his vision has come in question at times. If you watch him from last season, he does panic at finding the open holes. Um, he panics in tight spaces. He panics. His decision making was very, very questionable. Um, something that you know kind of stood him. Something that, you know, separated him from other guys like Chuba Hubbard, which unfortunately I won't get to because I'm not I'm not overly high on Chuba Hubbard. Um, Chuba Hubbard didn't really take that big step forward. But um, Etienne's receiving ability doesn't have wowing stats, but 
Um, I think that was one of, to me, I almost feel like that was definitely one of the bigger, bigger reasons why Etienne decided to come back. So he can prove to NFL scouts and NFL teams that he can be that all round running back. Um, and he had, he, he's been utilized more in the passing game than he ever has. Um, as a Clemson Tiger, he slowly, they slowly utilized him, but he was utilized a much, much more. He was a much bigger factor, I should say, in the passing game for the Clemson Tigers this season. Um, so the 29th pick, Travis Etienne, my RB1, should be first-round talent. Um, but again, I said last last year, I said we might not see a running back taken in the first round. And we saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So anything can happen. Um, so... His receiving ability is, is something that will – his stats aren't going to wow you. Um, and like I said, 2019 – excuse me, 2020, he was utilized – he was more he was more utilized in the passing game um, than ever. And another area is his blocking. Um, I think this is – I think this is an area that separates Najee Harris – um, I, I think I think Travis Etienne is a little bit less polished in the in the in pass blocking than Najee Harris is, um, and Najee Harris has that elite body frame that a lot of NFL teams are going to be looking for. Um, but due to, due to Etienne's body frame, he can be a little bit inconsistent inconsistent in his pass blocking. Um, if you watch his 2019 matchup against North Carolina, there were a lot of times he would use his shoulders, but he would lack the technique to finish his blocks. So I feel like that that's definitely something with the right coach that he could polish up. But um, due to his body frame, are the teams really going? Are teams going to be confident in using him as a third down back, or um, you know, I mean, you know, or even putting in AJ Dillon as that third down back? So it depends. So I mean, I, th- I think if they decide to go AJ Dillon as their premier back and have Travis Etienne split, or um, you put Etienne in the starting role, compete with AJ Dillon, and have him and have, and have AJ Dillon be the complimentary third down RB two. That to me would be so much fun to watch. Um, if we look, if you look, well, look, if you look at the Rams game, we saw a lot of involvement, a lot of creativity in the run game. Um, we saw all four of our running backs being used. We saw Jones, Williams, um, Tyler Irvin, and AJ Dillon. So uh, Matt Lafleur loves his creativity. He loves being creative on the offense. Um, and Nathaniel Hackett has certainly proved everyone wrong, at least myself. I think he's going to be gone in the next coaching carousel after next season. I think he'll end a head coaching job. So, but the 29th overall pick um, should be first round talent. Um, had an up and down season. I think he affected his draft stock very, very lightly. Um, I can see him definitely dropping, but I don't see him dropping by a ton. Um, I, th- I think. He is, I think him and Najee Harris should be the only running backs or are the only running backs that I see personally as starting caliber, um, as starting caliber running backs. The next one is Javante Williams. And I I think, I think Packer fans, I think the Packers should have their eyes on both of these, um, both of these North Carolina running backs, Javante Williams and um, you know, Michael Carter, but if you watch Javante Williams, one of the things that stands out to me, something that he has, I wouldn't call it really a unique trait, but it's something that really stands out as something that you can tell he's improved on. If you watch this film from 2019, um, he's 5'10", 220. He's got the weight, doesn't necessarily have the, 
the great body frame, I should say, but he looks hesitant to block. He looks scared to take a hit in 2019. But then you go and watch his games in 2020. Um, yeah, we had an unfortunate COVID season, but this dude is not afraid to take a hit. Yeah, he could polish up his technique a little bit, but he is not afraid to take a hit. Um, and I, I think I, I did say I did just say Javante or excuse me, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne have the best chance to be a starting running back. I have Javante Williams as my RB three. I got Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, um, and. Javante Williams is my number three. Uh, I, I think Javante Williams has a very bright future in the NFL. I think he's got a strong chance to, you know, come in, come in and compete with in, in quite a few teams running back rooms. Um, so Javante, Javante Williams and AJ Dillon, you've got a power back and a one-two punch with Williams and Dillon. That to me would be awesome. You put Dillon as the feature back and you put Javante Williams as the guy that you know can can develop in the passing game, um, and that to me would be awesome—a guy that you can snag in the second round. Because if you look at a lot of mock drafts, Javante Williams is definitely a draft riser. Didn't didn't um didn't, did not participate in the Senior Bowl, but Javante Williams, second round pick in my opinion, um, potentially the Green Bay Packers. And I want to stay with um, North Carolina and. I want to talk about Michael Carter. And if Jamal Williams leaves, I think Michael Carter would be a fantastic replacement. Um, Michael Carter is, I think he's a very underrated back. Um, I'm not putting him in my top five, um, but I, I'd probably put him just shy of the top five. I'll, I'll even name you my five right now. So one is ETN, two is Najee Harris, three is Javante Williams, Four is Trey Sermon. Um, five, I had Shuba Hubbard, um, but I'm very, very close to putting Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis, which I will definitely get to um, from the or as my number five. But I think Michael Carter is definitely six or seven. Um, but Michael Carter was, you know, I think. No, I've said this multiple times on other shows that I've been on. North Carolina had a had an extremely underrated offense. Um, in college football, um, you had Sam Howell, you had Michael Carter, and you had Javante Williams in your backfield. You had Daz Newsome and you had Dimey Brown. All four of those guys, except for Sam Howell, are NFL draft prospects. Michael Carter and Javante Williams could go as early as the second round. Um, Dimey Brown could definitely go as early as the second or third round. I think Dimey Brown could be a mid to late day two pick. Daz Newsom could be a late day, or I'm sorry, late day two pick, somewhere late in the third round, early fourth. Um, another guy I would love to have on the Packers. I'll get to the receivers next episode, but um, Michael Carter. This guy is the definition of an all round running back. Um, and like I said, if we lose, if if we end up losing Jamal Williams, a guy that is absolutely underrated in the passing game, um, one of the most effective pass game or pass catchers as a running back in the NFL. Um, and he's developed into an all round running back. Um, I think he'd be a little bit cheaper on the price tag and the price range than, um, than Aaron Jones. Um, but because to me, the, I mean, the fact that the Packers offered Aaron Jones top five running back money and he turned it down to me, that's not that good. That's, that's, that's not good news. <laughs> so, um, but if you look at the receiving stats of Michael Carter, 
he's very, very productive. Um, had a career year um, in the receiving game. 267 and two touchdowns, 656 and six touchdowns the past four years as a North Carolina Tar Heel. So th- this to me would be an unbelievable pair. I would love any of these North Carolina, either of these North Carolina running backs, I would absolutely love to see um, in a Green Bay uniform. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Packers end up taking a running back in the first three rounds because I think the running back position is probably the most, in, like, probably one of, if not the most interesting position to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, like the, the corner and the D line are, but like those are glaring needs. So I think it's going to, it'll be interesting to see come draft day. Who is still on the Packers in their running back room? Like, are they going to keep both? Are they going to tag Jones? Are they going to tag Williams? Are both gone? Are they going to only keep Jones and let Williams walk? Are they going to only keep Jones or Williams and let Jones walk? Um, <clears throat> I, I feel like I've seen Packers Twitter a lot too, and a lot of them, a lot of them have come to the point where they want to see Jamal Williams in a Packers uniform, and they are content with letting Aaron Jones walk. Um, so. Travis Etienne, 29th pick, second round pick. You got Javante Williams, another potential second round pick. And this could be a guy that you look at, that Goot looks at and says, I don't think he'll be there in the third round. So why not snag him in the second? So this could be a very interesting one. So you got Travis Etienne, 29th pick, um, second round picks, potential second round picks, Javante Williams and Michael Carter out of North Carolina. Here's another one, um, another pass catcher, another all-round running back. Um, he's definitely undersized, um, <clears throat> and that is Memphis running back Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell did opt out of the season um, and actually came out, I believe it was yesterday, that he lost a few of his family family members due to COVID, which is extremely, extremely sad. Um, so prayers for him and his family. Um, but Kenneth Gainwell, I think, has a very, very bright future in the NFL. Um, I don't necessarily think he'll be a starting running back, but he is 5'11", 194. Um, when I look at him, you might think of a little bit of a Tariq Cohen. I mean, he's got a lot of speed. He's got a lot of speed. I'm very anxious to to see what his 40 time is. Um, and this this guy, Kenneth Gainwell, from out of Memphis, a guy that opted out of the 2020 college football season um he put himself on the map after an impressive 2019 season he had 1400 he had 1459 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns he's elusive has a tremendous burst of speed and acceleration um and this is a guy that is like those tough to catch running backs like once once you see him burst through that hole with that acceleration speed that he has he he is a tough to catch running back um, and he's an efficient pass catcher. And this is something that, that if, if the Packers let Jamal Williams walk, if the Packers go into the draft with A.J. Dillon as their only running back, as their only premier guy running back in their running back room, Kenneth Gainwell would be a really, really fun replacement. Um, and yes, Kenneth Gainwell is undersized. When I think of him, I think of you think you, you might think of a Tariq Cohen. Um, and Tariq Cohen's a guy that proves that height doesn't matter. Tariq Cohen's 191 and five foot six. Um, and like I said, he's Tariq Cohen started to make a case to coaches and analysts that size doesn't matter. He's an efficient pass cut catcher. 
um, sometimes goes unnoticed, has ridiculous speed. Um, I think he's a very underrated pass catcher. Yes, he does eat bananas with his – yes, he does eat bananas and mayonnaise. I don't know if you saw that tweet the other day. Um, Tariq Cohen eating bananas and mayonnaise. I had to think about that for a while, um, if that even sounded good. <laughs> he tweeted out the other day and said – Basically said bananas and mayonnaise goes unnoticed. It's underrated, um, but I guess I'll have to try that eventually or sometime. But um, like I said, one of the biggest one of the biggest issues that might you know kind of veer teams away from using Kenneth Gainwell as a starting caliber running back um, is his size. He's 5'11", 194, um, and you look at Tariq Cohen and. Tariq Cohen, I think, Tariq Cohen has been used as a starting back, but their guy is David Montgomery. And David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen are not that bad of a combo. Um, And Tariq Cohen tore his ACL. He actually just signed an extension with with the Bears um, uh, last, I believe it was last, or yeah, last offseason before the season started. Um, But... Kenneth Gainwell had 610 receiving yards, three touchdowns, and 12 and 12 yards per reception. And <clears throat> his vision also improved over the course of the season. And this is a guy, remember who was the last running back at Memphis? Um, in fact, they had three. They had three. They had Kenneth Gainwell. They had Antonio Gibson, now a member of the Washington football team. And they had Patrick Taylor Jr., who was signed undrafted by the Green Bay Packers after the 2020 draft. So Kenneth Gainwell wasn't necessarily in the spotlight at times. Um, And this might be a guy where he does only have one impressive year of tape to look at, but it's, 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 it's certainly one that is jaw dropping. Um, And Kenneth Gainwell is such an efficient pass catcher. He isn't a bad blocker given his size. Sometimes you don't see them see him finish them efficiently. So he might not be a guy that some teams might use as their blocking as their third down blocker. Um, that might be more of an AJ Dillon type role, or even depends if they use Tyler Irvin back, um, or if they bring Tyler Irvin back. Irvin back. So you look at Tyler Irvin in training camp; he was taking reps at receivers. So, um. Matt LaFleur loves his versatility in the running back room. There's AJ Dillon wasn't a, used a ton at Boston college as a pass catcher. Yeah, that is a knock, but like at the same time though, Boston college, he wasn't used a ton in the passing game um, in the ACC playing for Boston college. But um, th- this to me, potentially late second, early third round pick Kenneth Gainwell. I don't think, I think Kenneth Gainwell should, should not be going unnoticed uh, potential third round pick for the green Bay Packers. Um, if Jamal Williams walks, if we go into April's draft, late April's draft, um, with only AJ Dillon as our back, you got AJ Dillon being the premier back. Um, and what better guy than, yeah, maybe a little bit undersized, but what better guy than an all round running back and Kenneth Gainwell might not be the guy you want to start putting a starting role, um, for at least quite a few years. But I think Kenneth Gainwell has a very, very bright future um, in the NFL. The last one I want to talk about today. No, it is not Chuba Hubbard. Surprisingly, no, it is not Najee Harris. Um, I decided not to talk about Najee Harris is because I think there's a strong chance he's gone. Um, and they, they already have that they already have that guy and like the power back that huge giant power back and AJ Dillon. 
Um, so the guy I want to talk about today, um, I think this guy could potentially turn into a steal. I love this guy. I talked about Kellen Mond last week um, on my show, Saturday Standouts, and I talked about Kellen Mond, you know, being a guy that could develop into a productive, potentially QB two, a very, very reliable backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, if you look at the SEC quarterbacks the past four years, Kellen Mond's been one of the more impressive ones. I mean, George has gone through Jake Fromm. I was very, very high on Jake Fromm. Um, I, I still think Jake Fromm still has a chance to make a name for himself. I don't like that. I didn't like the Bills fit at all. He's never going to play. Um, and Jacob Beeson, uh, I mean, uh, there were a lot of concerns about him because he only had one year. Of, he didn't have a lot of – he had a lot of limited tape to look at. Um, and he gets drafted by the Colts and now he's, he's go- He might even be in a situation where he's going to be competing for the starting job next year. Now that Phillip Rivers is gone, Jacoby Brissett's a free agent. We don't know. We don't know if the Colts are going to bring him back. Free agency starts in March. It'll be all like once free agency hits, once free agency hits, it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, but The guy I want to talk about today is a guy that opted out about first after the first few games of the season. I want to say he got suspended too, Um, so he just decided to opt out, and that is Mississippi State running back um, Kylan Hill. And like Gainwell, like 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 Gainwell, like ETN, like Najee Harris, I think teams are going to fall in love with the versatility of these running backs in this draft class. Not a deep one. It's definitely a deeper offensive class than it is deep or than it, or offense than it is defense this season, this year, but not an entirely deep running back class. I would say after four or five, it starts to slowly go down. Um, CJ Verdell out of Oregon decided to come back to or, or Decided to go go back to school. Um, Zamir White out of Georgia was draft eligible. Decided to go back. Um, Georgia's got a loaded offense for next season. JT Daniels, my pick for the. That's my early Heisman pick for you. Um, and Zamir White's back there. George Pickens is back there. Um, but they're also losing Ben Cleveland, and they're losing um, Trey McKitty. I believe they're losing another lineman, um, but. And they're losing Monty Rice, and they're losing Richard LeCount. They're losing both corners, Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell. Jordan Davis is back, which is huge. Um, I don't want to go too in-depth on Georgia Bulldogs, but um, my, 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 last, my last running back for you guys today is Mississippi State running back, Kylan Hill. Like Gainwell, and like a lot of the running backs that I just named, this is a guy... That, that is very efficient in both the run and the passing game. And he ended up opting out after the first few games of the season. He was suspended. Um, but his career year came in 2019 when he racked up over 1,300 yards rushing. Um, this guy this guy's a power back, and he's got a tremendous burst of speed. And I like this guy a lot. And Kylan Hill, to me... Kylan Hill, I'm I wouldn't say I'm very high on him, but I I have a lot of faith in Kylan Hill. And I remember I think I think I think one of my co-hosts, Caleb Skinner, ended up um, you know, shouting me out last night on the show that 
I was super high on Kylan Hill, um, but Kylan Hill, I don't believe performed in the senior bowl. I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, he played three games out of the season. Um, and this is a guy that can potentially be, you know, that, I mean, I would almost say maybe fourth or fifth round draft pick, even if we keep Jamal Williams, this is not a bad option. And you have Kyle, because let's say they only signed Jamal Williams to, you know, a one to two year contract. Jamal Williams might not be on your team long-term. So, and Kylan Hill can potentially be a guy, you know, that you can develop, um, you know, into that all-round running back. He's got a little bit of polishing to do, but he's 5'11". He's 210 pounds. Had 631 and six touchdowns receiving throughout the past four years. 237 and a touchdown for the Mississippi State football team. Um, but... This guy is another guy that is very, very effective in the passing game. Um, and we, we saw what LaFleur liked to do with Tyler Irvin. And that, that could be another role that um, not 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 a potentially moving to receiver like Irvin has, but that could be another guy that um, that Matt LaFleur potentially wants to develop and use as that as that RB3 in the running back room because Tyler Irvin's up. And are we like if the Packers I have a feeling this is going to be a very quiet offseason for the Packers. And um, I think the one name that comes up for free agency, I mean, he's not up, but if is if they're going to cut him. And if I'm not mistaken, it saves $8 million in cap space or trade him. And that's Preston Smith. I mean, we'll get to the outside linebackers in, in a future episode, but um, Kylan Hill to me could potentially be a very, very reliable RB too. But why not draft this guy in the fourth or fifth round? Um, come late April and, you know, develop him with Jamal Williams, with AJ Dillon and use them, use him as your complimentary RB three, re-sign Jamal Williams for a year or two. And cause I don't see Jamal Williams taking a long-term deal. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. And Kylan Hill to me, one thing that stands out to me is definitely his burst of speed. And I love I love the running backs in these in this draft. Um, I think the talent is definitely going to go away quick. But I love the all-round running backs, not just the guys that can produce um, in the run and the pass game. Um, and like like I said, and that's something that that's something that a lot of teams, a lot of today's NFL scouts are going to be looking for. Um, and yeah, I mean Kylan Hill. If you watch him run, he plays with a lot of explosive and intensity. He has great balance. Um, and I think he's going to have a lot of good value and, and, and potentially the fourth or the fifth round is what I'm, is what I'm predicting. And um, I don't believe he performed in the senior bowl. I might be wrong. Um, but Kylan Hill to me, I'd go ETN one, Najee Harris two, Javante and Williams three, um, Trey Sermon four, Kenneth Gainwell five, probably, Maybe Chuba Hubbard six or Michael Carter six, Chuba Hubbard seven, Kylan Hill eight. So I think Kylan Hill could potentially turn into a steal. Not a deep running back class, like I mentioned, but we could find some gems. Um, we could find some gems in this draft. Um, and he doesn't have the elite speed. He's not a tough to catch runner, but he is quick. He is quick. Um, he's got the balance and 
His elusiveness isn't overly elite, isn't overly impressive. And that's something that, you know, Kylan Hill can really, really develop. And I think that's, especially if we re-sign Jamal Williams and you keep A.J. Dillon in the running back room, you have Kylan Hill as your third option running back. Um, And we saw how much A.J. Dillon played. A.J. Dillon still played a good amount um, his rookie season. And... um, even played in the NFC title game when, when Aaron Jones struggled, fumbled twice in the second half and ended up getting benched. But um, he's quick, but I mean, I don't think, I don't necessarily think he's got the elite speed. He's not really a tough to catch running back, but he's quick and he definitely has some polishing to do. Um, one thing that stands out to a lot of people's speed. Another thing that stands out to me is um, I would definitely probably say his elusiveness Um decision-making. Um, but again, you go into a running back room with potentially, let's say it's Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon, you get Kylan Hill to develop as your, the future of your running back room. So that's all I have for you guys. The next episode, I'll be going over the wide receivers, deep, deep wide receiver class. I'm very, very excited to go over that one. So thanks for following. Thanks for following us. Um, go give us a follow all social media platforms. Go give James a follow. Um, And thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining me. Um, Thanks for sticking with us. And we'll see you next time.